Today is June 17th. Yes? Did I say that right? Okay. June 17th, uh, 2015. The title of tonight's message is Holy, Holy, Holy. Okay, so, but the problem is, is the actual title of tonight's message is a little bit different. It's, I'm, I'm spelling it all three different ways. Okay, so holy, as in something with holes in it. Holy, as in a completeness, holy. Okay, so holy, holy, holy is where we're going to get. Mighty God, we love you tonight. God, we are so appreciative of your spirit here with us. God, would you continue to work in our hearts? God, would you, could you continue to do something here in our midst? Lord, we need you desperately. Lord, we love to hear, um, Lord, to, to pray to you that we, may we never lose our wonder. Lord, we love to be excited when we hear songs like the King is here. Lord, and you are still here with us, God. Would you mold our hearts? Would you push back any confusion? Would you push back any heaviness from our hearts, God, so that we can hear from you tonight? God, it is not enough that we can come in here and only feel you, God. We want to be transformed by the power yes. of your Spirit. God, we want to be made ever increasing into your likeness, Lord, that we will reflect your glory in everything that we do, God. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you will turn to Exodus chapter 32, start off in the, in the law and we'll see where we end up. <laughs> Exodus chapter 32. And we're going to start uh, in verse 19. Exodus 32, and we're going to start in verse 19. And it says this, When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf, so we all should be able to pinpoint pretty quickly where, where in, the, in the train of, of the history of Israel this is. He's coming down from the mountain. When he approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned. This is Moses. Moses' anger burned, and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf they had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattering it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. He said to Aaron, What did these people do to you that you led them into such great sin? Do not be angry, my lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. <laughs> Isn't that our nature as human beings? We will throw somebody under a bus in a heartbeat if you give us a chance. You give us an opportunity. That is the way in our unregenerated state, in our unregenerate state, that is exactly what I want to do. And I have to be reminded that it is the opposite of what God is pleased with. No matter how small, no matter how great, no matter how wonderful I think that it sounded the way that I said it and I can get away with it, the God of all creation still sees. Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, as for this fellow Moses, can I put that in common vernacular for you? And this is not necessarily a direct from Hebrew translation. <laughs> that guy. This guy Moses. Um, you mean the guy who just led you out and saved an entire nationality of people? You mean that guy? That's who you're talking about? As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what, is, what has happened to him. <laughs> Mom and dad are gone for like five minutes and the whole, the whole place starts falling apart. So I tell them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave it to me. <laughs> this is incredible. They gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. I don't know how this happened. I didn't do it. I mean, I just threw the gold into the fire and... But we popped out this little golden calf. <laughs> Might as well be talking about evolution, right? Well, I don't know. We just threw all this stuff together in this mud pit and boop, out came people, right? Uh, I, I can't imagine being Aaron standing and talking to Moses. Now, Aaron was right in the midst of a lot of these, a lot of obviously getting the children out of Egypt, children of Israel out of Egypt. And he's going to sit there and try to say, look at Moses in the eyes and say, I, I mean, I just threw it in the, I just collected earrings and out came a golden calf. Right? Um, let's not presume that when we make excuses to ourselves or to the Lord, that it sounds any better than what Aaron did here to Moses. 
When, when we're coming before the Lord, let's realize how silly that we sound sometimes unless we just take full responsibility. Lord, my heart is wretched. I have sinned against you, O maker of heaven and earth. Please forgive me. I fall upon your mercies. Not, it's these people. It's this place. It's that thing. It's everybody else's fault but mine. Moses, verse 25, saw that the people were running wild. Everybody say running wild. Running wild. And that Aaron had let them get out of control and so became a laughing stock to their enemies. I think that's an interesting phrase. They haven't been out of Egypt very long. There's an entire army that got destroyed and they're sitting at the bottom of the Red Sea. And Moses understands that what they're doing is just, it's a laughing stock. It's a mockery of what they should be because they're running wild. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. This is getting to the the main point of this passage here. And all the Levites rallied to him. So all this is going on. They're literally running wild. Moses gets their attention and says, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. All the Levites rallied to him. A small little troop, a small group, one out of the twelve tribes that were there decided they were going to rally themselves with the Lord by standing with Moses. Let me encourage you, and I know I've heard this all my life, and I've tried to find what scriptural reference that we want to go to. This idea that, that things are going to get better in the Christian world and that more and more people are going to come into the kingdom, I, I don't really see that as being the case. I, I, I would hope for that. I'd hope for mass revival. I... Amen. I want that to happen. And what I see is that it becomes the few that stand with the Lord. That it's those who have to encounter this and say, you know what? I've seen what I've done and now I'm going to stand. I'm going to align myself with what the Lord is doing. I'm going to stand over here even though... Have you ever done that? Have you ever misunderstood instructions in in a group setting and you, well, come on up here and you thought you were just supposed to get up and walk up there and then you realize I'm the only one moving? How awkward that is, and we're adults, and it's not a big deal, and you just go, you kind of laugh, and you go back and sit down, or whatever it is. I've done that before. Thought somebody wanted me to say something out loud in the midst of a group, and I was the only one that said something out loud. You're like, oh, wait. I guess I wasn't supposed to, I guess I misunderstood. Can you imagine the Levites walking out and going, the vast majority, 11 twelfths of the people, are standing over there, and they're walking out and saying, no. We realize that what's been going on is wrong. I'm I'm setting us up for something here. Verse 27, Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says, Each man strap a sword to his side. Everybody say, strap on a sword. Strap on a sword. We know what the Levites become, don't we? The Levites become what? The tribe of priests in the house of God. They become the priests amongst the nation. This is the story of why they became the priests. (laughs) Not necessarily because they were more pious, or maybe they were gentle souls. No, I'm looking here and he says, why don't you strap a sword to your side? Why don't you get so in love with the Word of God that it becomes inseparable from where you're going? Why don't you have the Word just strapped to you? Why don't you understand what's going to go on here? Go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. So barbaric, isn't it? They're literally to walk through with a sword in hand. It doesn't say kill the foreigner. It doesn't say kill the bad guys. It doesn't say find the worst people you can find. It says each killing your brother, your friend, and your neighbor. If we're trying to be holy, 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 unless we understand and have a brokenness to start with, the idea that we are holy and we are holy, H-O-L-E-Y, is that right? I just freaked out there for a second. It didn't make sense in my head. But unless we realize that we are incomplete in and of ourselves, we can never get to a holiness that God demands. Unless we can really go, hey, you know what? Even at my best day, I need Jesus so desperately in my life. I have to be holy. (laughs) I have to understand that I have lack in my life because if I don't go to Him daily, if I don't run back to Him, 
uh, Sunday was one of the most amazing services that maybe I've ever been in. Maybe one of the most difficult services in some ways. One of the most God-honoring services in other ways. But if we leave everything that we've done to Sunday, and we don't move forward, that is a great starting point. That is a great milestone that happens. That is something that we should cherish and you should go back and think on and you should um, um, play it over in your mind and you should listen to it again online and, and you should pull out your notes again and make sure that your heart, that what you heard is exactly everything that you needed to hear. I don't know about you guys, but on something that's really, really in-depth, I don't always catch everything the first go-around. I, I don't. Um, when I used to teach music, I would get things pretty quickly from looking at the score, but that was part of the joy of it was I would actually go, and it was my job to study the score before anybody started playing the music. So I tried to define the nuances out of it, and it would take me a while, and I'd have to assimilate it, and then pretty soon, after a while, I didn't even need the score anymore because I knew the piece of music. I knew it. I knew it up and down. I could tell you measure numbers. I could leave it closed on my podium and walk away, and I could tell you what was going on. When everybody started measure 79, I didn't need it because I knew it because I had studied that silly little piece of music enough. How much more should we be studying the Word of God? How much more should we be going back and listening to a sermon that Alex did the other day called Temperature? How much more should we just be going back and, and chewing on this thing again? I don't know about you guys may be so much smarter than me, which is definitely probable, that you guys can do this on the first go-around. I cannot. I'm telling you I can't. And even if I thought that I could... I know in reality that I need to go back and listen to this again. So if we leave Sunday where it is, then we miss some of this, because this is what happens. Each man strap a sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, each killing his brother and friend and neighbor. God is a holy God, and He will not allow us to get away with our unholiness. If we get away with it today, don't impugn God's character and think that He's not holy Perhaps he's just being merciful to you, giving you a few moments to put yourself back in right alignment. What an ungodly person does is sees that and like, well, I messed up and the world didn't fall apart. God didn't come strike me with a lightning bolt. Well, thank you that you didn't, mighty God. Don't confuse his mercy with a lack of holiness. Don't confuse his long-sufferingness with the fact that we still are obliged to do this lest someone else pick up a sword. And we're the brother, or we're the neighbor, or we're the friend. Verse 28. The, the Levites did as Moses commanded, and that day, everybody say that day. That day. About 3,000 people died. Goodness gracious. Do y'all remember another day when about 3,000 people, something happened to them? Maybe it was on the day of Pentecost, right? Huh. Interesting. And then Moses said, you have been set apart to the Lord today. Can I encourage you that the Lord may ask of you very difficult things? He may ask you to do things that are completely outside of your own nature even. And when we follow and we are obedient to what He has told us to do, we are literally set apart. We are sanctified. We are made holy because we've said, Lord, beyond what I desire, I will do what you tell me to do. Amen. I'll do it the first time. I'll do it every time. If you ask me to do it, I may be trembling when I do it, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. I'm going to strap the sword to my side and I'm going to go out and do whatever you say. If it costs me my family, if it costs me my friends, if it costs me my neighbors, that's exactly what I'm going to do because I don't have any other choice. I have made the decision. I'd rather stand with you and lose my life if need be than to stand with the multitude. I just don't want to do it. I just don't want to do it that way. Because he says, Then Moses said, You have been set apart to the Lord today. For you were against your own sons and brothers, and He blessed you this day. Isn't that crazy? We've gone from a world who, uh, maybe a generation before, we had pastors and ministers and churches that were so focused on ministry, they left all the ministry of their home to someone else. They ignored the ministry to their own home. Now it's possible, I think, that we've kind of swung so far back the other way that we're so worried about our own family that we haven't always gone out and done the outreach that God demands of us. I don't think this is an either or. Surprisingly enough, I think this is a both and. We here at Life Changing Ministries believe that when you have your home in order, 
that all ministry flows from your home. Yes, flows from your marriage. Yes. Flows from your parenting. From there, it goes out to everybody else. Yes. So it is both. We're going to take care of this first, make sure that it is stable, and then we minister out beyond that. Let's take a look. Let's, let's skip over to Numbers chapter 3. Numbers. <clears throat> Numbers chapter 3. Say there when you're there. Okay, so I'm going to need your help tonight, right? So Wednesday nights, it's a, it could be a little, everybody's a little tired from the, from the work day. I get it. We're very docile from the week. Thank you, Lord, that we get to sit down for a moment. Okay, but I need you guys to stay with me. Amen. I need my brothers, yes. and my brothers need me. Yes. So I need you to stay with me, because I just trust that God is so good, He'll use that whatever is going to go on here, and it's going to bless you. That's right. If, if we did nothing else but sit here and read the Word of God, it'd be a blessing to you, wouldn't it? That's right. Amen. I mean, it's going to bless your soul, what we're doing here. And I feel like God's got something He wants to tell us, and then we're going to have communion, and He's going to continue to speak to us while we worship some more, and He's going to continue to speak to us. Amen. So I think um, I had the overwhelming, I just had to drop to my knees, where, where if you haven't been here uh, early, we're changing some of the things right before service. We're leading into each service with prayer. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. Amen. The song on the track is just a, Pastor Matt pulled this track together, and the King is here, and I just had this overwhelming feeling that the King is really here. Amen. It drove me to my knees. I was like, goodness gracious, how would I respond if the most powerful dictators in the world, most powerful earthly leaders came in? I would have respect for them. I would show them honor because of the position that God had put them in. When bosses in the past have come in, I honestly, I haven't told, I don't think I've ever told anybody else this. Maybe I have with you guys before, but when a boss walks in, I typically stand up. If I had an employer, I wouldn't just stay at my desk. I made it a personal um, point of honor to them. What I never told them. I would never tell them because it just can sound kind of weird, but I would always stand when, when an authority would come in, into the room. You know why? Not as much for them, but as much for my heart. Lord, you've placed this authority over me. How I respond to them shows you what I really think about you. So I'm going to stand, even if they're, even if they're criminal, <laughs> even if they're horrible, because it's, it's my heart. Lord, do you see this? I'm going to honor you by honoring this person. Amen. How much more should we honor the king of all kings who walks in? How much more should we honor this? So as we're doing this tonight, we're going to look in Numbers 3, and we're going to start in verse 5. We're talking about the Levites here. The Lord said to Moses... Bring the tribe of Levi and present them to Aaron to assist him. They are to perform duties for him and for the whole community at the tent of meetings by doing the work of the tabernacle. Everybody say, doing the work. Doing the work. That's, that's pretty much one of our statements that we can bank on here at LCMF, isn't it? We're going to do the work, right? Uh, was it 1 Chronicles 28, 20? Be strong, be courageous, and do the work, right? Verse 8, they take care of all the furnishings of the Ten of Meetings, fulfilling the obligations of the Israelites by doing the work of the tabernacle. Give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. Isn't that weird? I think that's a very weird statement. Give the Levites to Aaron. Um, <laughs> Lord, that's a group of people. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. The Lord is going to take this group of people, and we see why they were chosen before back in Exodus, and they are here now, and He's saying, I want you to give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are the Israelites who will be given holy to them. Everybody say holy to them. Holy. Huh. So because they understood their lack, they get to be given holy unto what God's purpose is. You can't get to this kind of holy, the W-H-O-L-L-Y, the completely, the entirety of ourselves unless we realize the first kind of holy. Then we get to this where he's given, the Levites are given to Aaron. Then uh, verse 9, Give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They are the Israelites who are to be given holy to him. Appoint Aaron and his sons to serve as priests. Anyone else who approaches the sanctuary, look what it says must be put to death. 
This is where some folks get the misunderstanding that there's a different God who lives in the Old Testament and there's a different God that lives in the New Testament. Oh, we happen to call them by the same name. But somehow the Old Testament is a God of judgment and wrath. And the New Testament is this fluffy, rainbow bright kind of walking on a cloud and eating marshmallow kind of God in the New Testament. He's only grace. In the Old Testament, He's only judgment. Let me encourage you. This is the same God throughout. This is one word that we have been given. It's one. Um, if you guys were there on Monday night, you heard me. I had heard Dr. Michael Brown mention that, that some fe- people who only want the New Testament, it's like saying that I want to enjoy the second story of my house and I want to totally ignore the first floor. Well, you can't get to the second floor <laughs> unless you have the first floor. Right. Like this is, this is a concept that was silly when you actually put it in terms, right? But... We see here a God who is holy. Um, let's look back up. Speaking of a God who is holy, uh, chapter, chapter 3, verse 2. The names of the son of Aaron were Nadab, the firstborn, and Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar. Those were the names of the sons of Aaron's sons, the anointed priests, who were ordained to serve as priests. Nadab and Abihu, however, fell dead before the Lord when they made an offering with unauthorized fire before him in the desert of Sinai. You can look that up in Leviticus 10, as a matter of fact. You can read all about that story. But we have two out of the four sons. It's almost like we have wise and foolish people even in the house of Aaron here. It's almost like you can see that just because where you came from doesn't, just because you came from the same place doesn't mean you get to go to the same place. Get, we get two wise and two foolish sons here. One who made an offering with un, um, one group who made an offering with unauthorized fire, and that's when the Lord said, "I'm going to give you the Levites to assist you." Um, take a look. No, no. At verse eleven, the Lord said to Moses, "I have taken the Levites from among the Israelites. Look at this. In place of the first male offspring of every Israelite woman." Um, we serve a God who is very much about replacement. He's saying, really, let me, let me tell you something. Let me, let me tell you one thing. The Lord is saying, all the firstborn, they're mine. <laughs> these, these, the, all these guys are going to be mine, but what he's done is, look, I have taken the, Isra- the Levites, I'm sorry, from among the Israelites in place of the first male offspring of every Israelite woman. God is showing his tender mercy in how that this group of priests can take the place for some of these others. For the firstborn in Israel. For all the firstborn are mine. I like that. It's pretty clear, isn't it? The Lord just says they're all mine. All of them. When I struck down all the firstborn in Egypt, I set apart for myself every firstborn in Israel. Wow. Whether man or animal, they are to be mine. I am the Lord. The Lord wants our first. The Lord wants our best. I'm a firstborn. Um, my wife is a firstborn. Gabriel is my firstborn. Technically, in this, God is showing us a big picture that He's like, look, I, as this group of people, the Israelites, you're supposed to be set apart unto me. I'm going to get the firstborn here. And then it goes on to say, The Lord said to Moses in the desert of Sinai, Count the Levites by their families and clans. Count every male a month old or more. A month old. Uh, Daniel, how old is Deacon? Six months. Dude looks like he's about, you know, two years old. Wow. I like it. I like it. Six months. Anybody who's a month old, how old is Lily now? Almost two. Okay, so we're, we're close to two months there. Count the Levites by their families and clans. Count every male a month old or more. He's not talking about sending people off to war. He's, showing you, he's going to show you something here. Usually on a lot of the other census that were taken, it was 20-year-olds, right, who were ready for battle. These young men, let's count that number. This is a different number that we're going to get. These were the names, uh, I'm sorry, verse 16. So Moses counted them and he, as he was commanded by the word of the Lord, the Debar Yahweh. These were the names of the sons of Levi, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. These are the names of the Gershonite clans, Libni and Shemai. The Kohathite clans, Amram, Ishhar, Hebron, and Azel. 
the Merorite clans, Mahali, sounds like a very Hawaiian name, or at least the way I said it, and Mushi. Japanese, there you go. We'll just we'll have Hawaiians and Japanese all st stuck together in that verse. These are the Levite clans according to their families. He goes through and it counts. He counts up all the firstborn in these three different clans. One clan gets 7,500, another gets 8,600, another gets 6,200. Go to verse 38. Moses and Aaron and his sons were to camp to the east of the tabernacle toward the sunrise in front of the tent of meeting. They were responsible for the care of the sanctuary on behalf of the Israelites. Anyone else who approached the sanctuary was to be put to death. In other words, it's serious. God takes it seriously when we, we are supposed to do it His way, the way that He has prescribed. Verse 39, The total number of Levites counted at the Lord's command by Moses and Aaron, according to their clans, including every male a month old or more, was 22,000. Okay? I know, it's Wednesday night. I'm reading a bunch of numbers. I got you, but hang on. Please, help me. Um, the Lord said to Moses, Count all the firstborn Israelite males who are a month old or more. I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get to a point here. And make a list of their names. Take the Levites from me in place of all the firstborn of Israelites. And the livestock of the Levites in place of all the firstborn of the livestock of the Israelites. There was a group of people here who had a responsibility to be so close to the Lord that they literally could cause life and cause other people to become holy in their walk because of their standard. I'm going to take this group of people because they're holy, they've been given holy, now I want to make them holy so that they can replace others. So that they can be a bridge to an entirely different group of people. So that I can use them in a different way here. Verse 42, so Moses counted all the firstborn of the Israelites as the Lord commanded him. The total number of firstborn males a month old or more listed by name was 22,273. The number of the firstborn of the Levites was 22,000. So, we've got a little bit of a deficit compared to the number of Israelites firstborn and the number of Levites that we're talking about, Right? The Lord said to Moses, Take the Levites in place of all the firstborn of Israel and the livestock of the Levites in place of their livestock. The Levites are to be mine. I am the Lord. Um, by the way, he's not saying that because he forgot. <laughs> he's saying that because I've asked something large of you and I want to remind you that I am the Lord. When the Lord requests something of you, he's like, yeah, by the way, in case you're going to try to squirm out of this or tell me why you can't do it, I'm the Lord. I need you to do this, and I've got a reason for you, um, for me asking you to do what I've, or actually telling you to do what I've told you to do. I am the Lord. Verse 46, to redeem the 273 firstborn Israelites who exceed the number of the Levites. <laughs> Everybody has to be accounted for. There's not one person that God is going to leave out. You would think, hey, look, we can just round this thing off and call it done. All of the Levites who are a month old or older versus all of the firstborn of the entire nation, that's a pretty close number. I mean, that's, man, well, that's done. No, there's not one single person that the Lord wants to leave out or that can go unredeemed. To redeem the 273 firstborn Israelites who exceed the number of the Levites, collect five shekels for each one, according to the sanctuary shekel, which weighs 20 geras. Give the money for the redemption of the additional Israelites to Aaron and his sons. So Moses collected the redemption money. Everybody say redemption money. Redemption money. From those who exceeded the number redeemed by the, by the Levites. Folks, I love the idea that in this room, our design, our call, is that we live righteously before the Lord and we can help redeem those other people that are out there. Amen. We can redeem others me taking my place helps redeem someone else. Me doing what I'm supposed to do, being willing to strap a sword to my side, helps redeem others. Oh, there's not enough of us in here. It's okay, God's got a plan for that too. There's a way for everyone to be redeemed. From the firstborn of the Israelites, he collected silver weighing 1,365 shekels according to the sanctuary shekel. 
Moses gave the redemption money to Aaron and his sons as he was commanded by the word of the Lord. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. Oh, it's so fast. I love it. Verse 15. Chapter 4, verse 15 of 1 Timothy. Let's go back up to verse 11. Command and teach these things. Do not let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourselves to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gift, which was given to you through a prophetic message when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. <laughs> but, my, but our faith is supposed to be so private. Well, obviously not. By what we do, by what we proclaim, people should see that there is progress in us. Amen? Amen. Aren't you glad that people can see progress? Yes. I'm glad I can look at Spencer and go, I think what I think of Spencer, I think of progress. Besides some really cool kind of wavy hair tonight. <laughs> I think of progress. I love it. I love my brother Spencer. I love his family. Man, that was a good place for y'all to insert an amen right there, but y'all just missed it. It's all right. See, it's that Wednesday night slumber thing. Come on, I'm telling you. Verse 15, be diligent in these matters. Give yourselves wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. When I talked about reviewing sermons, when I talked about if the Lord gives you something, you write it down, would you go back and visit it again at some point? If you need to put a reminder on your clock or on your phone or calendar, could you just do something and go back to it again? Perhaps it should be tre- uh, precious to us. It's like a treasure. I love it when, I, when I've, I've got something new in the house. The, the first time I'll, I'll get a certain thing and I'll kind of, it's there. and Not as much as I did with, with our first child, where you'd go in there like every hour. If they weren't crying, you got worried, right? After you have a few kids, you're like, hey man, if, they're, if they need something, they'll cry, <laughs> right? But we would go through and you, and you do that and sometimes I get, I get a, a toy. The first time I got a guitar, oh my gosh, I would just, every once in a while, I'd just go in and I'd just open it up. Even if I didn't have time to play, I just was enjoying the gift that someone had given me. I was like, this is like, it's like Christmas. I love the smell of the little carpet inside the guitar. I love it. Sorry. <laughs> A new car smell, if <laughs> you've never had a guitar. That new car smell, that glue that you're actually smelling is what, is what we all... Yeah. <laughs> Persevere. Watch your life and your doctrine closely. Keep evaluating it. Keep setting yourself up against the standard and see how you're doing. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. There is a saving of ourselves, but there's this idea that we're still trying to give and we're still trying to help. When we do our part, we're taking care. We're redeeming someone else by the fact that we do this. We give someone else an opportunity. My place in this can act as a bridge to someone else. It says it right there. If you do, you'll save both yourself and your hearers. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. Verse 14 says this, For He Himself is our peace. (laughs) Talking about Jesus Christ. If you need more peace, you need more Jesus. Amen? He is the peacemaker. He is the Prince of Peace. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in His flesh the law with His commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God 
through the cross by which He put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those of you who were near. For through Him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Everybody say, by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. That is one of the most unique feelings, and some of us, it's been a long time since we felt that, but mission trips, you feel it very rapidly. You get around a group of people who don't speak the same language as you, and the idea of feeling like an alien or a foreigner is very vivid in our minds. Some of us go in the same groups and the devil lies to us and he tries to make us feel like aliens and foreigners in our own church. He tries to make us feel disconnected from those of us around us who are family. But the Bible says here, you are no longer foreigners and aliens. At one point we were as the gospel was concerned, but now we are fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus Himself as the chief cornerstone. In Him, the whole building is joined together and it rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Amen? Amen. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. Say there when you are there. Verse 26. Yeah, I'm trying not to back up and read a lot more. I love the book of Hebrews. I have trouble just reading Hebrews and not reading all of it in one sitting every time I start anywhere. (laughs) Let's start in verse uh, 18. I wanted 26, but I'm going to start in 18 just because I like it. Um, The former regulation is set aside because it was weak and useless, for the law made nothing perfect, and a better hope is introduced by which we draw near to God. And it was not without an oath. Others became priests without any oath, but he became a priest with an oath when God said to him, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever. This is talking about, uh, just right before this, it talks about how Jesus is like Melchizedek. Verse 22, because of this oath, Jesus has become the guarantee of a better covenant. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing in office. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely. Everybody say, save completely. Save completely. Those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Don't you, aren't you glad that you have a priest who constantly intercedes for you. What do you not have that you need? What are we waiting on sometimes? If we have the high priest, if we have Jesus interceding for us, what is it that we could ever want of? What is it that we could ever lack if we know that He is... (laughs) What did you used to say when you were a kid? You know that He's got your back? But he doesn't just have your back, he has your future, he has your present, he has, your, he has everything that he is interceding. He always lives to intercede for them. Verse 26, such a high priest meets our need. Amen. One who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other high priest, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all. Jesus is the sacrifice that was once for all when he offered himself. For the law appoints as high priest men who are weak, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. Amen. Amen. Turn to chapter 12 in Hebrews. Look in verse 14. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Holy, holy, holy. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, what does the next part say? No one will see the Lord. (laughs) 
we know that our world doesn't like, our modern churchianity doesn't like that. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. No one. I'm going to presume that when the Lord says something, He means exactly the way that He said it. And without holiness, we won't get... it. Not charisma. <laughs> well, golly, I sure do like Nolan. He's a nice guy. Well, I'm sure he's going to see God. The Bible says without holiness, no one gets to see Him. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. Huh. <laughs> See to it that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. He couldn't bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with many tears. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and that is burning with fire, to darkness, gloom, and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them. Because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I am trembling with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of the living God. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn. Oh, there we are again. We're back around to the firstborn idea. Amen. God is after the firstborn. You've come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Doesn't that echo back to what we read in Exodus? Doesn't it go back to what we read in Numbers? Mark every person and write down their name. He didn't just ask for them to count a certain, get a, a tally of things. He was saying, I want to know. I want you to know by name to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Perhaps God was setting an example even in something that sounds as far from eschatology as you can get, what we read in Numbers. And yet we see that it's here again. You have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirit of righteous men, uh, made perfect to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Everybody say new covenant. New covenant. And to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Um, let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Amen. Verse 1. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, evil, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. How many of us in here can say that we have tasted that the Lord is good? My life is nothing but a testimony that the Lord is good. Far beyond anything I could hope to deserve. Have you seen my family? Do you know that the Lord is good? Have you seen what I should get but what I don't get? The Lord is good. I have tasted that He is good. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by men but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in Him will never be put to shame. I have to admit, I have used this Scripture several times in the past months. And it keeps coming up, and it feels like it's almost a completely different reason. I don't think about it ahead of time and go, oh, I'm going to try to see if I can work this verse in it again. It just keeps coming back up over and over in my own heart. In my own study, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and a precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, the stone is precious. <laughs> so let me rephrase that saying right there. So let's check and examine, because if we 
find him precious, perhaps we actually believe. If we don't find this stone precious, perhaps we should reevaluate our own standing with the Lord. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the capstone and a stone that causes men to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers, very similar to the passage we read just a minute ago, as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day He visits us. Because of what? They'll see your good deeds by what we are doing, by what we put our hands to, by the work that we accomplish in Him and for Him. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 11. Since everything will be destroyed in that way, what kind of people ought you to be? Trying to tell us about the day of the Lord. The beginning of 2 Peter chapter 3 up until about this point is talking about the day of the Lord. And then in verse 11 it says, Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. Wow, the elements will melt an interesting way to say that, right? You do a lot of things and there's a lot of processes. We live in, a, in an oil town. They will process oil very differently at different heats, different things do different. <laughs> they, they have different characteristics that show up. This is saying even the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with His promise that we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of the righteous, So then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with Him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort as they do the other Scriptures to their own destructions." Therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guard so that you will not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Let's look at just a few more scriptures. Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. We're going to focus in on verse 16, but let's start it back at verse 14. This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I will send to Babylon and bring down fugitives, all the Babylonians and the ships in which they took pride. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator, your King. I could have gone and we could have looked at 25, 30 or more different scriptures talking about the Holy One of Israel. We could have looked at many verses that talk about, it says, be holy. His command to us is to be holy even as He is holy. Both Old and New Testament, from beginning to end, we see this idea. And take a look at what it says in verse 16. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Let me just encourage you guys tonight. (laughs) 
Forget the former things and don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provided water in the desert and the streams to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. Amen. Amen. I love verse, especially in verse 18, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. After a church service like we had on Sunday, I think God is ready. I think God uses a Sunday that we had to be a portal, to be a a threshold, to be a doorway into something new that He'd like to do for us. I think He's trying to do something new in our midst. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. I love some of the songs that Pastor Matt has, has been picking recently, especially because it's talking about spring up. Oh, well. Spring, let these things start springing up from within us. Let's not head, hang our heads down low if He's trying to do something new. <laughs> Somehow we've got to stay pure and holy before Him, understand that we are incomplete in of ourselves, but we give ourselves fully to Him, and He causes us to be holy so that we can stand and boldly enter into the throne room. Amen. We can boldly go where God's presence is. We don't have to go... But... There's a boldness that comes from when we can stand and say we're holy. Yep, incomplete. But I'm going to wholly give myself to the Lord so that He will transform me and make me holy. That is what He does. He is the God who resurrects. He's the God who takes dead things and causes them to come to life. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. Amen. Let's start in verse 1. We'll skip around a little bit, but let's start in verse 1. The law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason it can never, by the same sacrifices, repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Let's not get in a rut of trying to do things exactly the same way. Those, the obligatory things that we do in life, just coming to church is not what causes us to find the true revelation that God has. Just coming to come because it's what we do has never been what God's after. And it, you can look throughout the entirety of Scripture and He'll say things like, do um, you think it was after sacri- the sacrifices that I was after? And you're like, wait, but God, you told them to do the sacrifices. <laughs> you told us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. I'm not saying don't come. I'm saying we should have an alive heart every time we come. We should have an understanding. I'm not doing this just to be a ritual because that's what I see a whole group of people who did only rituals and it wasn't pleasing to God because their hearts were not in it. There was not the boldness that He had desired to have. Verse 2, if it could, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins because it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Even though for thousands of years God was trying to show them a picture about how blood was required to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, verse 5, He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for Me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings you were not pleased. And I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, O God. First he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, although the law required that they be made. Then he said, here I am. I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that we will have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, here it is, that, here's that phrase again, once for all. Amen. And by that will, we have been made holy, everybody said made holy, made holy, through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once for all. Once for all. We're made in this holiness once for all because of Jesus Christ. 
Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sin. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down at the right hand of God. Since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. Because by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Hey, that's us. The Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. I will write them on their minds. Then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. Perhaps he's doing something new in their midst. And where they have been forgiven, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. Amen. Amen. In other words, once it's forgiven, it's done. You don't have to keep coming back to it. You don't have to go visit that thing over and over. If you made an actual clearing of what needed to go on, on Sunday, from our point of view, we're not going to go revisit those things anymore. That's right. They're done. They're in the past. They're under the blood. Now, we don't have to keep going back because there's no sacrifice that can even be made. What is there to do at this point? We're going to walk in forgiveness. You need to walk in forgiveness. Let's see what the new thing that God is going to do in our midst because of it. It'll be beautiful. Amen. Verse 19. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter... Come on, guys. We need confidence to enter the most holy place. Why? Because we're awesome? No. By the blood of Jesus. By a new and a living way. Open for us through the curtain that is His body. I think we impugn God's actual sacrifice to us when we can't get to the point where we can say, I'm going to confidently walk into your presence. Not arrogantly. Not presuming that I'm holy when I'm really not, as if He won't know these things. But I'm going to have a confidence that says, Lord, I really have put everything that I know under the blood. I really am walking in your presence, God. If I'm not, Lord, please show me so that I can get right before you because I want to come in and I want to have a boldness when I enter your presence. Amen. We do not serve the body well for us to be anything other than bold in our walk with the Lord. Right. We do not do Him a favor by us being timid in our walk with the Lord. By a new and a living way opened for us through the curtain that is His body. Since we have a great, high, a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. Amen. This should be encouraging to you. If it's not, let's read it again. <laughs> you take it and you read it again because these words should bring life to your soul. Let us draw near to God with, with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For He who promised is faithful. Yeah, yeah. The reason we can hold on to it unswervingly is not because of us, it's because He who promised is so faithful. Yeah. If He said it, it will come to pass. There's nothing in all of creation that can keep it from coming to pass. So we should be, we're going to hold unswervingly. To the hope. What does hope indicate? It means that you don't always have it right in front of you. I, I need to have some hope because it's not fully accomplished in me yet. But I'm going to hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for He who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Everybody say love, love. And, good and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another all the more as you see the day approaching. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Did you hear how in this one passage you kind of get both? The no sacrifice for sin is left. Why? Because it's been dealt with. But if we keep on sinning after this thing has been dealt with, then we've got a problem. But only a fearful expectation of judgment Lord, help us. And of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Wow. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot? Come on, folks. I know this is a lot, right? How much more should we have a heart for those that are around us? How much more should we be, as our place in the priesthood, be saying, hey, I want to be a bridge for someone else out there. I've got to be a bridge for someone else. Um, how, much more, how much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? I think there's a lot of people who are insulting the Spirit of grace in our day and time. They are calling grace that which is not grace at all. It is something else, and they put a title on it that says that it's grace. For we know him who said it is mine to avenge, I will pray, repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Wow. Verse 35, skip down. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believed and are saved. Amen? Yes. Yes. Let's stand together.